Hey everyone, welcome to episode number three of season number three of Musicians for Mental Health. On this podcast, we speak with musicians about mental health openly and honestly without the veil of lyrics. We are not mental health professionals, we're not licensed therapists or counselors. We are people that have our own experiences personally with mental health and want to shed light on these things. On this episode, I talk with Emma Bow of the Atomic Bow Project. Um, had a great time talking with her. She is actually a licensed mental health professional, but I'm going to preface this episode with the fact that she is a licensed mental health professional. However, we still are not giving any sort of medical advice or anything like that. If you listen to what we talk about, you know, we mention it in the the podcast conversation as well, that, you know, if you listen to this and there's things that we talk about that you uh, think might be beneficial to you, great, that's amazing, but please make sure that you're seeking your own personal um, medical professional, mental health professional, to make sure that it's catered to you specifically. These are, are our personal experiences. Um, so what we've been through, what we've tried, things like that may not be the, the right answer for everybody. So um, we talked about a lot of stuff. Uh, obviously, we touched on, on the music. Um, but as you guys know, this particular podcast is more about the mental health side. So we talked about Emma's journey with mental health um, from the young age of 12, you know, realizing that maybe something was a little off to being diagnosed to then being diagnosed differently. Um, So we talk about the importance of potentially needing multiple diagnosis because the first one maybe is just the symptoms of what the actual root cause is, things like that. Um, talked about medication and medication alternatives such as CBD, uh, microdosing on a variety of things, um, and doing that safely and through prescription. Um, and then, you know, we also talked about the toxicity of social media and, how that's playing a factor in today's generation. We talked about using art as an outlet and the effects that that has on the human body as well to transition the brain to focus on a different activity rather than the addiction or um, the trauma that they're, they're dealing with. So... This is an incredible conversation. It is heavy at times, so I do want to say, uh, as always, listen with caution. If you need to take a break, take a break. Um, but I, I really appreciate Emma taking the time, having this conversation with me, and yeah, let's dive into this. This is my conversation with Emma Bow of the Atomic Bow Project. Um, so... To start things off, let's start with the boring ass opening question. Yeah. Who are you? And a little background on yourself and kind of what brought us together to have this conversation. 
Sure. So I'm Emma Bow. So I'm the lead singer of the Atomic Bow Project. But also um, in my day to day life, I am a clinical psychotherapist. So I have a very keen interest in everything mental health. I've experienced, you know, mental health struggles myself in the past and, and still do at times. And yeah, it's something really close to my heart. So when the opportunity came up to talk to you, I was like, yep, that's that's right up my alley. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that because, and, and not to take away from anyone's story at all. I normally preface every episode, um, the little, you know, intro that I do, I say, yeah. you know, we're not licensed medical professionals. We're not mental health experts, <laughs> yeah. things like that. In this case, you are, um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I, I think it's interesting because allowing all these different types of, of perspective, right? Like that's why I started this podcast is, Sure. You know, we all, especially in these genres of music, the pop punk, the emo, the heavy music, like yeah. we know what these songs are about. We've all experienced similar traumas, but for some reason, we all love to hide behind the music. We love to yeah. hide behind the metaphors and the, the pretty, you know, vocals or whatever. And so with this podcast, you know, my intent was all these people myself included that connect with this music and, you know, relate and see themselves in these songs. I wanted to give an opportunity for the artist to kind of peel away that veil of the lyrics and say like, here's, here's what I've been through. Like yeah. it is okay to see these things. Absolutely. I think that's, that's awesome. And, and that was spot on for my music. Um, most of the songs have a theme of mental health for us guys. So, mm -hmm. you know, and in our band, we've got a clinical uh, psychologist, that's our drummer. And then there's me and the other guys have been, you know, touched by mental health in one way or another. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a big theme for us. Yeah. And I, I think it's, a, it's one of those things that it's not like you're doing it for the money right like it's not a shock value <laughs> it's not because it's the cool thing and like I hate yeah. that a lot of times this type of music gets kind of pigeonholed or branded that way that oh they're just doing it because it's the the cool thing to talk about in these songs and it's like no I'm I'm talking about these things in these songs because they're fucked up and I need to get them out you know yeah it's deep yeah exactly I think that yeah that hits the nail on the head it's it's much deeper than just face value and I think fans who are true fans get that and they hear that right. and you know and then you get people who are outside of it who like to make those comments yeah yeah for sure and I, I remember growing <laughs> up probably the same for you growing up you know so many family members that don't understand these genres of music and they look at it and they're like so you listen to angry music because you're angry and I'm like yeah because I don't uh, feel alone listening to that you know like absolutely I, I'm connecting with something you know and like not knocking you know the Beatles or the who or anyone you know sure. but to hear you know you Emmy telling her story through Jabberwocky like so mm. many of these stories that are told in this genre of music I think it it starts maybe subconsciously and you can speak to this for sure maybe yeah. subconsciously starts unlocking it for people that okay it is okay to talk about these things it's okay that I've been through these things Absolutely. I think normalizing it and sharing is the biggest thing we can do, right? And I'm not saying that's for everyone. Like I would never say everyone has to share their mental health story, but for those who can 
I think it's really helpful. And if it's music and that's the medium, great. If it's art, that's great. If it's just speaking to a therapist, that's great. Like there's no rules. Like everyone can have a part of that, like, you know, and I think normalizing just, you know, the art of it and and everything else around it is just amazing. That's what we should do when we can. Yeah. And and that's something that, you know, Emmy made that very similar statement that, you know, the hope is to empower people to to talk about things when they're ready, but yes. nobody is under any obligation to ever talk about their story. No, that's exactly right. And there are things that I'm not ready and, and haven't talked about, you know, and people think I'm very open because of my songs and because of the way I speak online, but you know, we've all got things. So it's, it's when we're ready, if we're ready and then expressing it, sometimes a song too can express the things that you're not ready to talk about. Yes. So that's pretty magical stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if you, we are going to hearken back to Emmy again, one more time here. I don't know if yeah. you listened to that episode, but we talked about Jabberwocky and, you know, that's the story of her um, sexual assault trauma and, and things. Yeah. And she said, the reason that she wrote that song wasn't even for her. It was because when she went through that, there was no song that she could connect to. So she yeah. wanted to put out a song that others could find strength. And that's like, you know, we, often talk about and I think it sometimes it gets minimalized but the healing power of music right and absolutely that connection that we can make and then to not have someone else that has said hey I've been through that situation too then it really does feel so alienating absolutely I think that's so well said and yeah Emmy is just a great strength in general like uh, in the Australian music scene again we're talking about Emmy a lot but she's helped (laughs) me through a couple of things so I had an experience and I haven't talked about this last uh, festival I did that we were both kind of at and it was not great and it was an experience that sort of relates to the song not exactly but it had some themes and she was the first person to help me the first person who was there and just such a great support so yeah again we we need those kind of people around us yeah for sure um so let's kind of dive into you know you've touched on your kind of clinical side of of you (laughs) how did music start forming for you because you know obviously every musician it it varies but with you being so vulnerable within your music and you know open about what you're open about so far yeah when did that connection click for you that this can be my release and this can be a tool for me to use you know I was about 12 when I started to I know that sounds ridiculous but I started writing these songs I didn't know what to do with them I didn't know what it even meant but they just started happening and it was just immediately a medium for me to talk about mental health because my parents are like old school they didn't know anything about that stuff you know anything that happens with them they sort of keep it inside and that's okay you know that's just their background and the way they would you know brought up and stuff like that so this was immediately the way I would express and my parents were like whoa that's that song's a bit dark Emma like (laughs) that's a bit you know, that's a bit much, but it just, they kind of accepted it and they were actually really supportive and it ended up taking me, you know, through my whole life so far. So it's, it's been a really big thing. Like it's, it's been an everyday part of my life since I was 12 years old. Maybe even before that, I was sort of experimenting with that in my head. Cause I'm a violinist yeah. uh, by like trade. Um, that was my first job was being a, just a violin player. I learned to sing much later and even the violin would be, a, you know, 
an artistic release for my mental health. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's been a long journey. For sure. And let's dive into that a little bit, you know, again, with your kind of clinical background, if you will. Um, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the connection between art and, and therapy or trauma healing. You know, I don't think, I think so often people just bundle it together, but kind of push it aside in that like, oh yeah, sure. Troubled artist. It's the cliche thing. And it's like, but there's, <laughs> yeah. there's some real truth to the science behind your brain's connection with this art and the traumas that you've went through. Oh, absolutely. If you look at um, rehabilitation, so drug and alcohol clinics, most of them will have an arts program. That's because there's definite science be behind using art as a medium for your mental health. So I think if that's just one example, it's a pretty strong one that people going through literally the fight of their life with drug and alcohol addiction are using this, this medium to help their recovery. So if that's just something alone, because I did work in drug and alcohol for a while while I was getting my training up and you could just see the difference it would make in people. You know, you would see people just literally getting clean and shaking and feeling like they couldn't cope to listening to their favorite artists or me, you know, singing with them. Some of them can't yeah. sing. You don't need to sing, um, but just singing and you could see the shakes and the tremors would just would not maybe stop, but definitely lessen. Yeah. So, you know, that that in itself for me was like a big moment of like, okay, hang on, this is having a full on physical response as well as a mental response. Yeah. Like you can't you can't kind of go past that example, I think. And then you put that into just the everyday person's world. Right. You can see how powerful it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's maybe part of the reason that, you know, we've lost so many musicians to suicide, so many actors and actresses to suicide as well. And like the common theme is always, oh, but they seem so happy. You know, they were famous, whatever. And it's like, well, but they were happy while they were performing their art. Absolutely. Once they stop doing their art, everything's right back in their face. Exactly. And what does that mean? Like, how do we move forward? Like people aren't really having that conversation. Like, and, and is it, I don't know, sometimes maybe more sensitive people do go into the arts because that's where they feel safe. Um, they have done studies where more neurodivergent people seem to be in the arts scene. Mm -hmm. So that could be a connection. I don't think we quite know. And you know, there are people doing PhDs on it that I know as we speak, and that's a bit right. beyond me, but yeah, that what is it? Like, how can we help people more when it comes to this stuff? Is it more art? Do we need more of that connection? I yeah, don't know. and it's hard to say what the, the right answer is. I think part yeah. of it is definitely conversations like this to help break down the walls and the stigma and yeah. be a lot more open and, and clear about stuff, because I think so often I talk about the power of words, right? So, so often you get on social media, especially and oh, I'm so depressed. I got a flat tire today. And it's like, that's not what depression is. Like, oh. can we please stop downgrading what someone's going through? Absolutely. Or the one that gets me is, oh, I'm so OCD because I'm clean. I'm like, oh, wow. Like, that's right. not it. That's, <laughs> that's, I wish that was it, but that's not it. Yeah, you no, know, it, it's, it, yeah it's crazy that, you know, we simplify these terms or 
I guess maybe it's oversaturation, right? Like we oversaturate our vocabulary with these terms sure, and then they lose their power so that when somebody says, Hey, I'm depressed. It's like, Oh, you're having a bad day. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's way beyond that. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm not having a go at anyone who says that because it just has been so normalized right. in our culture and the way we speak, but hopefully I have seen a fair few posts around this theme and I'm hoping that will, you know, make a bit of a change. And I, I think I have seen people using that language a little bit better lately. Yeah. What about yeah. you? Yeah. I, I would agree. I think, you know, I yeah. think it's slowly shifting that way. Um, and I think the, the thing is, <laughs> makes me sound old, I'm 38, but my generation, I no. think is still on the tail end of that, like, oh, just quote unquote, man up, you know, it's just a bad day, get over it type of of generation and then the yes. generation coming in behind is very much a no like you're having a, a traumatic experience like let's talk absolutely i love that and i think yeah i hopefully it is sort of changing the game in that in your generation and that my generation is trying to do that work because i feel like there's a lot that's wrong with my generation <laughs> but that one thing i think we're doing okay you know we're yeah we're trying to make some changes and I'm, I'm definitely saying like there'd be things in your generation that are much better than mine right. but you know what I'm saying I think yeah. that one we can give ourselves a little pat on the back for yeah for sure yeah. um so let's walk through part of your your mental health journey um you know you yeah. said at, at around 12 you start making the connection to music and and using it as this release for whatever you're going through at 12 years old, how did you see that kind of morph and grow as you got older and, and went through, unfortunately, more intense hardships? Yeah, so like, I think when I was 12, I kind of started to know something was a bit up, if that makes sense, didn't really know what it was, was missing, you know, a lot of days at school, but just for like sickness that right. I'd go to the doctor and the doctor would do all the blood tests and everything was fine. I wasn't sick, but I would get these like shakes and tremors and, you know, uh, upset stomachs and all this sort of stuff. And it wasn't until I was about 15 where it was getting more and more extreme. So I would have these like dizzy spells and, and things where I couldn't breathe. Yeah. and I would be at school and then you know it actually and this is the sad part that it wasn't diagnosed for me until I was 18. Like I had to leave school not one doctor picked up that I had an anxiety disorder. Yeah. So that's frightening like when you think about how far we needed to come with right. medical right. training around the world I'm sure and this still happens today like that's yeah. That's something I think that needs to be talked about is getting a diagnosis from the right person. Like that's a whole can of worms and I won't go there because we, we don't have time. Well, no, <laughs> but we, we can touch on it because um, yeah. as of the time I talked to, to Emmy, I had just went and done my um, assessment. So I'm in the process of getting a diagnosis myself. Wow. Um, okay. So yeah, 38 years old and I've, dealt with stuff my whole life. And again, it's always been on that tail end of just, oh, I can get through it. You know, I'll force my way through it. And finally, yeah. I decided I was like, you know, like, I'm sure I can get through it. But mm -hmm. if I can at least put a name to it and know what this thing is, that gives people so much more power. And I don't think that's fully understood yet either. Oh, absolutely. When you know what you're dealing with, like, again, when I was 18, and it's like, you have a panic disorder, it was like, I'm not going crazy. You know, right. it, it brings that clarity and 
again, wording isn't great there, but that's what you think when you're 18 years old, you know, like I'm going insane and it's really scary. And people kind of give you that feeling like, why is Emma missing rehearsals or, you know, why is she pulling out of gigs and stuff like that? So it was, it was impacting my life because I started touring at 17. So, you know, it was really heavy and I couldn't sleep properly and it affects everything you do. Yeah. So get this diagnosis and then it kind of cascaded then into a few different things for me. So I got diagnosed with anxiety and I was depressed because I was anxious all the time, right? Like (laughs) no surprises there because it was pulling everything away from me, like gigs, um, Mm -hmm. my ability to concentrate, just everything. I couldn't eat properly. So then people were like, oh, you've got an eating disorder, which I actually never had, but I just felt so sick all the time from panic. And this was just a whole thing. And then my high school boyfriend and trigger warning on this one, he um, died by suicide. So this was the definite difficult, you know, four years, it just things just went south for me. And I ended up with something called depersonalization. So that's a disorder where you feel like things for those who don't know, where you feel like things are not real anymore. So you're kind of feeling dissociated all of the time. Mm-hmm. And that's effing terrifying. Yeah. I can say the word. It's fucking terrifying. <laughs> um, so everything felt like I was in a dream 24-7. And this can happen to a lot of people, by the way, after someone you know has passed away or a traumatic event, car accidents. But nobody talks about depersonalization. Right. So... Yeah, whenever I post about this, it does get a lot of traction because there's so many people going through it, yet there's not enough podcasts about it or TikToks or whatever. Yeah. So it's a pretty big one. And a few of my songs, um, uh, Fall to the Beast, is about depersonalization. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that took me four years to come out of. Yeah. So that's kind of a timeline. And then today we're here and I have an ADHD diagnosis now. <laughs> And life makes sense finally. Right. right. So that's 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 where we're at. Like it took, you know, mid twenties before I knew what was really going on with me. Yeah. So it's just crazy. And that was that was causing the panic and all the other symptoms was that I was just ADHD the whole time. Right. So and, there's and a background. <laughs> yeah. And I, there's a few things I want to touch on on that. You know, sure. number one with the the dissociation part, like yeah, that seems to be, I don't want to say common because it's still not necessarily a common, common thing because it usually, it's more of a symptom of something else typically. Exactly um, right. Yes. But from a music standpoint, Memphis Mayfire had that song called Make Believe and Maddie Mullins talks exactly about that. He talks about how Is he it? feels like he's living in a simulation and like nothing's That's real. It. And it's, it's yes. this constant thought that like, this is nothing I do matters. Nothing I do affects anything okay. else. It, I'm just here, um, yes. you know, yes. and it's, it's crazy that we allow our minds to get that far in a belief system that we don't matter in the grand scale of the universe. Oh, it's weird. And some people call it like the ego death or they, they yeah. say all this stuff. It's not, it's just heightened anxiety that's turned into a dissociative state. And thankfully I learned about it and I was able to get rid of it. So yeah. I'm 
sitting here today knowing you're real and right right <laughs> sounds ridiculous doesn't it and if people listen and they've never felt it they probably have but it just hasn't hung around so say when you've got really bad jet lag right. or you come out of the movies when you've gone in the day and it's nighttime and you're like oh that you know right. <laughs> it feels weird right yeah. so it's kind of that I think everyone's had it but if it's stuck around for you 24 7 you'd start to get really anxious about it yeah for sure and I, I think the the other thing I wanted to touch on about your story there is that you went through multiple diagnosis before getting to the root cause. And I think so often people, not saying the first diagnosis is incorrect, but they latch onto that first diagnosis, not realizing that there's maybe something else that's causing what that is. Absolutely. That was 100% my story. And I'm not saying I didn't have panic attacks or that I wasn't right. anxious. Absolutely. But when I found the root cause of it, I was able to treat the anxiety so much better and I, you know, and the depersonalization and everything else. So it is, that's what you were saying, the power of the diagnosis. And some people will go, oh, it doesn't matter. Everyone's got something nowadays, you know, the older right. generation yeah. generally like, oh, what's wrong with you? But it does help to know because then we can help ourselves more and we don't have to live in this state of fear all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things. I think that again, the more we do podcasts like these and, and not that anybody I'm guilty of this just as much as anybody else, but not that we should be self-diagnosing, but you know, hearing what these symptoms are, what other people have went through and stuff and where we can make those connections to say, okay, like maybe this is the direction I need to go so that, you know, am I seeking a a regular medical doctor? Do I need to see a psychotherapist? Do I need to, you know, where do I need to go to actually assess where my issue is? Absolutely. And as a professional in the mental health, you know, sector, I am not against self-diagnosis. Some people are, but for many people, they cannot afford to go and have these tests done and to have, you know, all of these doctor's appointments and to access medication. So sometimes, again, we've just got to be careful that we aren't biased towards a professional only diagnosis because that's just not available for everyone. So it's having an open mind. And, and to be honest, I kind of did self-diagnose with ADHD because I was like the naughty kid, the kid who couldn't concentrate, the chatty kid, you know, the artistic one who wore weird clothes. (laughs) Like it was always that. And I I suspected it, but I did get it confirmed. So self-diagnosis can be quite accurate, weirdly. Yeah. 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 And I I think maybe that's what I meant more, more than don't do it was, you know, it's okay to, to start figuring it out, but to have a trained professional at some point, be able to say, yeah, Hey, you were right. You know, this is what it is. Um, Again, just like you said, not everybody's going to be able to access or afford the medications and things like that. But, and, and maybe I'm speaking out of turn here to a professional, but medication's not always the right answer either. Um, Absolutely. No, you're not speaking out of turn. (laughs) No, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. It just depends on the individual. And, and that in itself is, again, something people don't talk about. A lot of people just go, oh, well, just take the thing and then you'll be fixed. Well, that's not quite accurate either. And I think it makes people feel really disheartened then when they do take the medication and they're not fixed and then they're so let down. So I think normalizing that as well, that 
maybe medication isn't right for you maybe it's lifestyle there's there's so many options and and that's just one small one really right, right. yeah yeah and i i think you know something i've learned and uh, this is something i wanted to talk about with you um yeah. is more on like the holistic side of things you know taking mm -hmm. supplements to get your extra vitamins that you maybe are deficient in things like that and then i know yes. Um, you have also been very vocal about the potential power of, of using hallucinogenics and in micro doses to be safe with them and things yes, like that. Yes, yes. Thank uh, you for that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, again, I think that goes back to what we were just saying that medication may not be the right answer. Maybe you just need more vitamin D. Maybe you need B12. Absolutely. Maybe something just to take the edge off with the, the micro dosing of a hallucinogenic, like, there's so many options out there to bring your, your mind's perspective in line with what your reality is. Hang on. Are we there now? I think so. Hey, we're back. Hey, Sorry, okay. I just lost sound completely. We're back. No, all good. All good. Um, so no, what I was saying though, is, you know, using supplements, um, microdosing hallucinogenics, medication, yes. whatever it is, the goal of any of these things is really to align the perspective of your mind to what your reality is. Absolutely. I think the biggest thing in clinic for me, and I own my own um, psychology and counseling clinic, is to definitely screen first for a blood test if people can do it and that's something they want to do. Because I don't want to be going and saying, oh, you need to go and get medication when your vitamin D is super low or your iron status is in the toilet or you know, B12 yeah. or whatever it is. And again, like if people come to me and they're like, I've tried medications, I've tried different things. Let's look at other options. For some people it's CBD. And again, mm -hmm. this is a bit of a taboo topic, but it has helped so many people. For some people yeah. it's microdosing. I've had clients who have literally gone from being bedridden every single day with PTSD to being able to go back to work and speak to their wives and children again, just because they microdosed. Like that to me is just huge. Like you, you can't argue with that, right? No, yeah. Like, yeah, and absolutely. it's again, it's a topic that a lot of people just don't wanna talk about. And there's things even more simple like ashwagandha and, you know, different herbs that people can just access and just try mm -hmm. from, with their doctor's permission um, <laughs> from the health food shop. So again, it's it's just, I don't like people getting let down because they've tried say Ritalin or something or an antidepressant and it hasn't worked for them. And then they think, well, fuck, I'm at the end of the road. Right. Like, yeah. So I think it is really important to talk about these things because there's, there's stuff out there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, like you said, there there's so many things at the health food store. And I think, again, the older generation is probably more guilty of it than, than the younger generation, <laughs> but the, the health food store, I, I can remember growing up and people just being like, Oh, you're one of those people, you know, you're like, one of them. You're, yeah. you're a hippie, whatever. And it's like, no, they're just trying in hindsight. Now I'm like, no, they were just trying an alternative that worked for what they needed. Absolutely. And there's studies, if you actually want to, you know, go there as, as a podcast listener, have a look at the studies around ashwagandha, have a look at the studies around microdosing. We're legalizing it in July um, in Australia. So that's, you know, there's some stuff going on there. It's, yeah. it's, it's not just, you know, made up hippy dippy stuff. And 
Yes, The Storm, our latest single in The Storm, we have touched on uh, talking about, you know, psilocybin use and mm-hmm. things like that. And again, I'm not really, I can't really self-disclose a lot around that because I'm a medical professional, but right. but it can help a lot of people. You can yeah. read between the lines there. Yeah, yeah. No, and I, I think that's the big <laughs> thing is, I and I'll make sure we preface that in the episode as well, that everything we talk about, even with you being a medical professional is not medical advice. Like no. you still need to seek your own professional, find your doctor, things like that. Um, percent. But yes. I, I do think it, it's important for people to hear it from someone that is in the industry, um, the health, the mental health sector and saying like, there are alternatives. So yeah, don't, I don't want to say like go hunt for the doctor that'll approve it because that may not be the right answer either. Sure. But you, if you're not feeling like your doctor's listening or maybe your psychotherapist doesn't think that that's the right thing, like it's okay to get other opinions. Absolutely. I've done it myself and I've sought out what, what suited me and, and that's fine. And we all, you know, as long as there's some science, I think I, I'd always like to still go back to that. If we can yeah. find science behind something, like, I mean, that's why we wear a seatbelt, right? Right. So if there's some backing toward it, then that sounds pretty good. I'm yeah. I'm probably not going to say for people to go and dump acid or something like that. Right. There's no science there. <laughs> no. I'm sure someone would say it worked, but yeah, just making sure it's done safe. Yeah. I think you just have to watch the Woodstock documentary to know that <laughs> dumping acid is not a great idea. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Totally agree. Oh gosh. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, you've, you've mentioned a couple of the songs, but let's talk about Into the Storm. Um, you guys just dropped that fairly recently and it's seeing a, a lot of traction, but I think the thing that I enjoy about it is the way that you approach songwriting and crafting these lyrics, even though we say we're, you know, kind of peeling back that curtain and, and getting away from the veil of lyrics, the way you craft the lyrics, like they're on the nose in that it's fairly easy to understand what you're talking about, but they're also yeah. disguised just enough in metaphor where it's like, oh, is this like a, a real topic or is this just part of the story? Good. I love hearing that. That's exactly what I try to achieve. So I'm glad to hear that that's come across. Um, I want people to find their own story. That's the biggest thing for me in all of the songs I've written um, with the Atomic Bow Project is that I don't want to tell my story about it too much, strangely, because then it's my story and you're listening through the eyes of of Emma, right? Um, But if people listen and then they find their own thing in it, then that's, that's my goal. Like, that's absolutely what I want. And, you know, we give a suggestion like talking about psychedelics and psilocybin and things, and you can go with that how you want to, but I I like it to be kind of mystical in that sense, because then it's, it's true to its art, right? Art should be subjective and you should find what you need in the song. Yeah. 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 Sorry, that was deep. No, no. (laughs) And that's what I love about it though, because it, it is exactly that, you know, like, if you think about historically in music or art, even uh, like physical form art, um, paintings and, and things like that, like mm. the artists that have surface level delivered typically are not the names that get remembered. Um, yes. you know, every artist that you can think of off the top of your head 
there are museums where people have to stand in front of their painting for days to be like, I think this is what he was trying to get to. Sure, exactly. And some songs, though, I think they suit being really in your face and knowing right. exactly what it is. And if it's especially um, empowering songs that have, you know, got like, I would use Emmy again as an example, yes. but there's so many other examples as well out there. But sometimes we also need that anthem and that's really important. But there's the other flip side of having those songs where you want people to, yeah, find their own story within it. And I'm an artist as well. So like that's right. my paintings are behind me. And I, I appreciate what you said there because that's just the most important thing to me. Yeah. Yeah. So with your, your art is kind of twofold, right? Because you are a musician, but you also create visual art, not just the paintings behind you, but music <laughs> videos. Um, yeah. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about that, you know, transferring these words into these themes and storyboards mm. and crafting music videos that lead the, the listener slash viewer um, down the rabbit hole, pun intended for some of your, <laughs> your visuals there. Yeah, yeah, that's such an exciting part. Um, I guess I grew up as a classical musician. So playing violin, I think when you listen to especially our latest track, so I always just call it Storm because I've it's just Storm to me now right. because I've <laughs> seen it written so many times. But I think in that song, um, you can hear that I'm a classical musician by trade because it goes in these funny directions and it doesn't sound like, I, I think it doesn't sound typical it's not what people exactly expect. Like we go into the major and the minor and we yeah. flip through these different melodic, um, on this melodic roller coaster, really. Mm -hmm. Um, and the clip had to have that melodic roller coaster going through it for me. So yeah. if you watch it again, it's got, you know, it's got the metal side where we're just smashing it out in this beautiful, you know, um, venue in, in this small town. And then we go out into the wilderness and it's just got all the themes of what the chaoticness of the song, hopefully in the visual as well. So yeah, yeah I, de I designed all the outfits. Um, we got a Queensland government grant. So that's where we, the state we live in here yeah. to be able to afford this clip. So there was incredible influence there as well. So we got lucky. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, mm. talk a little bit about you know, the, the, you mentioned the melodic roller coaster and stuff. When I listened to it, I very much thought of, it's going to sound super cheesy and I'm sorry for that. It sounds it. like super cinematic, like video game cinematic, right? Like this is oh. moving towards like a boss fight or whatever. Like it's this yes. profession um, yeah, yeah. That, that moves a listener from that first beat. And then you're, up and down ebb and flow throughout the song and then you close with this like impactful statement of just boom it's over and it's like I feel relief at the end of the song you know what I mean awesome yeah because it's it's a little uncomfortable this song right I I don't know a friend of mine described it as a little bit uncomfortable and I thought that was perfect it should feel a little different a little uncomfortable and and I think that's made some of our fans maybe a little uncomfortable and they've kind of said things around that but they've still enjoyed the discomfort which is nice yeah. so it's it's a strange song this one and it's definitely our weirdest one by far and I, right. I like that yeah. <laughs> I'm mean, weird so you know but I I think it goes back to what we've talked about throughout this episode with the beauty of art in any form, in any medium, 
is that it's going to connect and resonate with the people that it's meant to connect and resonate with. Yes, absolutely. That's so well said. That's, that's the goal, right? For any, even just for who we are as a person, and right. this is going to get deep. We will only be for some people, right? Like, yes. and our art will only be for some people and, you know, just the way we are and our mental health journey, only some people are going to get it. So yeah. it's just no different. Music is just imitating life art yeah. imitating life as they say you know yeah for sure mm, and i connected. you know i'm a i'm a big proponent of more of like the spirituality side versus religion uh i talk oh, a lot yeah. about i've i've got friends that hate me for it but i'll tell them like <laughs> hey your vibes are off today and it's not like this hippie thing it's like you know we all there's again real science to it that we all vibrate at different frequencies and like like you're saying, we may not mesh all the time. So like maybe our frequencies are just off right now or whatever it is. Um, sure. And it's this really beautiful thing because it really, that mindset has helped me over the years with the connection to music, right? Like if my body's vibrating and a song is sound vibrations, like mm. why wouldn't music have that connection to it? That's so interesting. And I don't know a lot about that. And some clients talk to me about those things and I don't discount it. Like I don't know enough about the world to know what's right. out there. And, but there's something there because again, um, a lot of somatic healing. So, uh, physical healing modalities help people more than just therapy alone with things like PTSD. So mm -hmm. that blows my mind so if anyone just thinks that your mental health is only in here uh, i'm pointing to my brain it's only inside your brain then they're not right because there's right. too much science showing that our physical body needs treatment as well especially in very dangerous conditions like ptsd which we know the suicide rate is quite high um so yeah. this is a life or death thing right like it's really serious um that the body is super involved. So sorry, I totally just went no, on a tangent. But I like totally what fine. you're saying there. Yeah, it's it's there's there's more going on than we even know, I think. Yeah. And I, mm. I totally agree. And as someone that has struggled with depression for mm. virtually as long as I can remember, you mm. mentioned um, you know, having clients that have been bedridden and then, you know, through microdosing or or whatever have moved past that. But like I think the connection between the body and the mind is an important thing to talk about because, you know, having struggled with depression myself, there have been plenty of times in my life where I'm not getting out of bed. I'm not going to go take a shower. It's a super yes. common theme, but yeah. then what, you know, subconsciously we don't recognize all the time that like, if I would just get up, take a shower and step outside immediately I'm going to boost my, my mood by at least 10% because I'm moving. It's getting blood moving and doing these different things to help your, your mind kind of regulate some of sure. the, the body functions. Oh, absolutely. And I think, yeah, people just discount that way too quick. It's just like, again, it's that whole, well, just take your medicine and you'll get fixed. And, and whilst for some people, that is the answer. And I'll never discount that because it right. absolutely is. And that's great. But sometimes it's, yeah, again, it's that movement. It's doing different lifestyle things. And it's not even about psilocybin or CBD or any of those things either. It's just our bodies. So I think, you know, there are so many studies showing 
the impact of exercise, but nobody mm-hmm. wants to talk about it, like, because yeah. it's not cool, right? But if yeah. I do a gig, for instance, like, I'm a wild woman on stage, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> compared to what we're, you know, people have seen my clips and stuff, they'll know. But, you know, when I get off stage, I always feel so much better for just having that, you know, somatic experience. Yeah. So it's just, it's just interesting. And I've been similar where I've been really depressed and I've almost pulled out of a show. And if I just do it, which I always pretty much do, right? if I just do it, I feel better for it. Yeah. So it's interesting, you know, it's, it's so, there's so many different avenues with it though, isn't there? Yeah, for sure. And, and it's hard to say like, what's going to be the right one for whoever, right? Like every, Uh, as cheesy as it is, every (laughs) single individual is unique. Like what happened or what works for me is not going to work for you. It's not going to work for Emmy, but maybe what Emmy does kind of works for you and doesn't work for me. You know, like there's so many tweaks and and adjustments that can be made with everything that we do. Um, I think it's important, like you said, to not necessarily discredit or discount these things until Mm. we explore these avenues, you know, whether it's exercise, medication, um, therapy, whatever, and say like, okay, I've, I've done this thing and it had zero effect. Sure. Also to be very, very clear, doing it once does not mean it had zero effect. (laughs) Absolutely. That is so well said. And I think that is again, not talked about enough, but there is yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. You've got a good point there. And again, that's a really hard one in session with clients. Right. Um, because everybody wants the quick fix, but unfortunately mental health, you usually didn't get there overnight, right. you know, unfortunately it's a build up, right. And it takes time to get better. And that's what I really press on is that if you're going to therapy, don't just go one time, you know, cause that's yeah. maybe you get lucky and that's all you need, but it's so rare. Like again, yeah, just yeah. all of the things, exercising once or going for a walk once or journaling once or meditating once, it's not going to be enough. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's it's something that I think, you know, like you said, it does get overlooked a lot because that I think it's, I think it's because of the world we live in now, right? Especially social media, the monster that it is, we all seek yes. this instant gratification. And it's like, oh, I went on a jog, but I'm not seven pounds lighter. So I'm never going to jog again. Like, yeah, okay, but absolutely. that wasn't going to ever happen. So why <laughs> did you put that expectation out there? I know. And that's a really good topic to touch on is the social media age. And what is that doing to our brains? Like, what are we looking for? Myself included, by the way, I am 10 million times guilty for having a social media addiction. Yep. And looking into that and yeah again like i've noticed in myself i always want noise i want to be talking to you and on my phone and have the telly on and having this constant stream of media and Mm -hmm. i'm really working on that personally at the moment but then what does that play into in our normal life and the way people speak to each other now online it's this quick hit like oh well there's no consequence for me saying something really awful to another human and hiding behind fake names. But then if people keep doing that again and again, what does that, like what impact is that gonna have in real life? Like, are they gonna start just, are we all gonna start talking to each other differently? You know? Right. Yeah, Yeah. it's that's a can of worms, but what is that? It for sure is. And it's something that on my other podcast, I've talked a lot about with 
you know, artist around negative feedback and just things like that. And it's, yes. it's funny because I've had a few different artists that are like, I'm not trying to incite violence or anything like that, but I wish some of these people would come up to the merch table and say it to my face. Cause you'd, yeah. you would never do it. You you're just not they going never do to it. do it in person. Um, and I think it is interesting. It, it's a really hard thing to, to remember for most people, myself included, but typically the people that are negative to you is not a reflection of you. It's because they're unhappy with their life and it's the outlet for them. Absolutely. I think that's so well said, but the thing that people need to realize, I think, is that not everyone's having a good day and artists, we're just you, me, we're all just humans. And sometimes we could be so low and one comment could be the difference between our day being ruined or, you know, God forbid something worse. Um, And people don't realize the impact of what they're saying. So I think we all, you know, again, I definitely would say I don't do that sort of behavior, but I think a lot of people just need to use a little bit more, um, I don't know, uh, insight yeah. before they post some things. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think, again, mm-hmm. like you said, it's so easy because even if they're using a, a username that they use across all platforms or whatever, like it's still, there's no real person to person connection. You know, they've, they've disconnected as we've talked about and said, well, online isn't real. And it's like, okay, but that's still a real person on the other end behind that other username. Um, And it is, it's, it's really unfortunate, you know, especially the music industry and it it happens everywhere, but the music industry, especially where artists like yourself, you know, pour your heart and soul and story Mm -hmm. into your art and you put it out. And then the first thousand people are like, Hey, this is dog shit. You're a terrible person. You should never write another song in your life. And it's like, bro, like, but did you listen? Like, you know, yeah. like I, w- I was vulnerable here. Sure. Absolutely. Like that's a huge thing. And it worries me because it doesn't really bother me, honestly. Like when that happens, I'm like, oh, right. whatever. But my teenage clients and I see the impact that this stuff has on them. And that, that actually upsets me because yes you know, there are young men and women and, you know, just everyone in general who, you know, are feeling crazy amounts of body dysmorphia at the moment because of the internet, the comments they get from other people, and they just treat each other like trash. And again, and not enough people talk about this. And I know teenagers are just assholes, let's face it, but (laughs) (laughs) I was an asshole too. But I think, yeah, it's coming to another point now where it's just too intense yeah for sure and and emmy and i talked about it a little bit she didn't know the stats off the top of her head which is totally fine you may not either but here in the u.s um suicide is the number two leading cause in the age group of 10 to 34 and like the 10 part is what always hangs me up so much because i'm like you guys understand that that means there are 10 12 14 year old kids dying by suicide because their classmates were mean to them online or whatever Mm -hmm. it was, maybe the parents at home, whatever, but like at 10 years old to think that that is your outlet is just mind blowing. Yeah. It's so, yeah, it's so disappointing, isn't it? I think just everyone in the world needs to do something about that. Everyone like, you know, these conversations, 
that's doing something and and just posting about it or checking in with people even though again that seems to be something that people do way less like you know and this is a really big thing is checking in on people who are your friends who you might not agree with mm. who you might you know that is a big theme yeah. in society today as well that i've noticed as again someone who works in this field is people are now you know one thing or the other and my grandparents for an example they were too you know they'd have their political views and their neighbors would have completely different ones but every yeah. every day they would say hello to each other they would have dinners together their kids would play together and yep. they were checking in and they didn't give a shit that you know bloody joan and bruce were one side of the fence and they were the other right but nowadays we are so divided and yeah. that i think again there's so many people just flying under this radar 24 7 who are getting overlooked and their friends don't talk to them because they believe something else what is that yeah sorry i could no. go oh no you're, you're totally fine and i i 100 percent agree and i think you know yeah the big thing within that too is when you're checking in on on your friends or you know acquaintances or whoever when you say how are you doing actually mean it and actually yes. listen to the response and you know as someone that has dealt with with mental health as long as i have yeah. i could not begin to estimate how many times i said oh i'm fine when i was anything but fine Absolutely, me too, honestly. And I think even just learning just a quick Google search on what to do if somebody says they're not fine, because I've talked to so many people and this is a theme on my social media is talking about this exact thing. And a lot of people say to me, but I don't know what to say. So like, let's have a conversation about that. And I won't, you know, go too deep into that right now, but have a Google, have a look. What can you say if someone says I'm not doing well? Because that can be scary. Yeah. You know, if you don't know much about mental health, you can go shit. Well, I don't know. Like, but just, you know, things like, well, how can I support you today? What can I do? Is there anything I can do to make you feel better? Do you want me to call someone? Those sorts yeah. of things, you know? Yeah. And yeah. It, it's hard. It, it is. And I think, you know, obviously every country is different. And I don't know yeah. all the resources like in Australia necessarily or anything, but. Yeah. In the U.S., we recently, we had the suicide prevention uh, hotline, which was yes. this really long 1-800 number that nobody was ever going to remember, right? Oh, and it existed yeah. for 20 years, but nobody could just rattle off what this number was. Um, and then last year, they finally got approval through the government. And now all you have to do is dial 988 instead of 911. Oh, um, that's awesome. 988 you're connected with and they've changed the name from suicide prevention hotline to the lifeline um okay we're, the, we're lifeline as well yeah. so now you're connected with this lifeline you can text it you can call it whatever and i, I think see. even just knowing that that you know in the back of your mind that you can say you know i don't know enough about what you're going through have you tried calling 988 it's completely That's... anonymous whatever because yes you know i I think people get nervous to have these conversations sure. because they aren't educated enough or don't feel like they're educated enough. Um, when in all reality, most people just want someone to listen to them and not make them feel like they're a piece of shit. 
Absolutely. That's so well said. And in Australia, it is Lifeline and our number is 13 11 14 if anyone needs it because I feel like it's important. And there's no shame in calling those services. I've called those services when I was younger and I needed it and it was amazing. So I think, again, a lot of people have shame, like there's something wrong with me if I call that. Like it, right. it's they're trained professionals. A lot of my classmates are now working at Lifeline. So, yeah. you know, it's important, but that's exactly right. And I think we're scared of uncomf uncomfortable feelings, a lot of human mm -hmm. beings. It's okay to be uncomfortable in a conversation with a friend. It yes. doesn't always have to be sunshine and rainbows, right? Like things get uncomfortable and we all as humans have to be okay with a level of discomfort. And I think, again, that's another thing from our day and age, because we haven't, you know, like our grandparents, we weren't in the war on rations and right. all of that. We don't like uncomfortable things. A lot of yeah. people will yeet out of your life if you bring up depression, anxiety. I don't know if you've been there. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, when you are your, at your worst, you will realize that so many people leave you. And yeah. wow, that's really rough to talk about. Um, but having uncomfortable conversations with your friends is so important. Like it's just, it's everything. Yeah. And I, Sorry, I, I got think, a little bit emotional talking about that. And no, you're totally <clears throat> fine. And I think, <clears throat> you know, it is important because I think, again, so many people assume that's a reflection of of them like oh i'm the burden i'm the reason they left whatever and that's absolutely. not the case at all absolutely well said yeah i think that's that's a massive problem in the world um is just knowing that it's not you and it's that the other person's incapacity to deal with what you're going through and i'm not saying that in a judgmental way towards that person but it, it is still really hard on those who are left with a mental health condition and then their friends leave them at the same time. Right. Yeah. I think it's like, and if anyone doesn't understand it, they should probably put themselves in the shoes of imagine if they had a, you know, cancer or they broke their, their bones in their body and then they were ditched. It's no different. Yeah. 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 And it, it's something uh, I've been working on, on kind of trying to change the, the terminology as well. I talked to a, a girl named Mel Taven uh, like two years ago now, I guess. Um, and instead of calling it mental illness, we've started calling it a mental injury. So depression yes. is a mental injury because, you know, like what you just said, when people, if people saw you with a broken arm, they're not necessarily going to walk away from you when you're trying to carry all your fucking groceries in. Absolutely. But, hey, I'm depressed and can't go grocery shopping. They kind of walk away because they don't understand like mental illness is an injury. Like I can heal from this. I just need some assistance right now. Oh, that's brilliant. Yes. The one that gets to me a little bit and everyone says it and it's okay, like no judgment, but it's um, so-and-so is an anxiety sufferer. I really yes. don't love that because anxiety is able to be helped. I am not a sufferer. I'm actually trying to thrive in my life right. with anxiety. Um, so I like the, I like mental injury because it shows that you can get better. Yes. So that's, that's a really cool, I've never heard that actually. I, I really like it. Yeah. We, like I said, we both, she had mentioned it to me and ever since I've, I've definitely been trying to, um, to change kind of the, the mentality around it for myself as well. Um, right. because like you just said, like, I've talked about the same thing, like the whole, 
I suffer with or whatever. Um, and I'm quickly trying to skim through my Facebook to find it. I had to, to do a search and I'm not going to find it in time, of course, but I had a, a post that I had made at one point where, again, talking about the power of words, um, and I just found it actually, is uh, I said that um, when someone says, or for me specifically, when I say, you know, how I'm doing with my depression, that mm. can be your indicator. So like, for me, this was, uh, looks like almost five years ago that I made this post, but when I say like, I suffer from, I'm not in control, right? Like depression feels like it's winning the fight, oh, things like yes. that. I live with shows that I feel like I have control over it. You know, like, yeah, I have depression, but it's not a big deal. I live with depression. Yes. Um, and then the third one that I had was, uh, I have shows an indifference. So, uh, I have depression, like, yes. you know, so recognizing those different types of terms that your friends use or your family uses can be a huge thing too. Because if I'm talking to you and I say, I suffer from, well, Josh probably isn't in a great spot. Okay. I yes. live with, you know, things like that. It just, it's another trigger that can be helping when you say, Hey, how are you doing? And they say, Oh, I'm fine. Does I'm fine really mean that? Yeah, absolutely. I like that. I think it's good that you've sort of said this is how my brain is working and what right. I need. I mean, you're not saying like, I need this, you know right. what I mean? But but you're giving people an example and I think that's so important. And I think that would help so many people out there if they did that too. But I know not everybody is able to express as, as well as you, Josh, or me, but just even something around that, I think that's brilliant. Yeah, even yeah. if you don't put it out publicly, write yes. it down for yourself so that you can recognize when you're saying these things like okay it, it'll help you create that mindset right like if you're constantly saying i suffer from and suffer from depression well okay i've said i suffer from for six months now like what am i doing to try to to get past it mm, sure that's yeah that's good and i think everyone's gonna have their own version of this and that's right. so important and as long as we're looking out for each other and what that looks like. I think that's the sign of true friendship, right? And yes. sometimes the thing is as well, is that we always check on our friends like me, who's more vocal about it, right? So I've mm -hmm. had friends who check and I've even forgotten sometimes to check on the friends who never talk about it. Right. So that's an interesting one as well. And, and something to even flag is like, sometimes people just completely fly under the radar. So it's always checking on all our friends and yeah. then sometimes checking again, even more on our friends who are really vocal because you can get used to the vocalness of it and then mm -hmm. miss signs that things are getting actually a lot darker than normal. Yeah. So it's, it's a very, it's an in-depth thing for sure. And I get that a lot of people are like, whoa, that's out of my depth. Don't care about it. You know, fuck off with your shit. And I get it, but that, doesn't help the world because that person who's thinking that might need that help one day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and maybe that's something, maybe you and I and, and Emmy start a, a <laughs> continual podcast that we talk about some of these things, but um, I love that. <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely figure something out, but no, I think, you know, something I used to talk about a lot more was the Robin Williams mask is what I called it. 
Uh, and it's yes. the the persona that oh they're happy go lucky they're you know he's always making people laugh the whole time he's fighting his own demons and mm. those are the friends that we need to be looking out for too the ones that just constantly seem like they're on top of the world or every time you're in a friend group they're the class clown trying to make everybody else feel good are they okay you know maybe they truly are and great if they are but unfortunately the flip side of that is very common where they're people pleasing everyone around them because they don't feel adequate enough themselves oh absolutely i think that's yeah that's a, a true topic and it's it's hard and again a lot of people think oh well this is just this modern day thing i've heard people say that well like you know oh you guys you're just all too sensitive and you got too much to think about now and and that sort of stuff but my dad is 74 so he had kids late in life and whatever but he's 74 he lost about around six friends to suicide you know who died by suicide and that is terrifying six that's when he was young. And again, people go, oh, it's a new thing. Bro, it's not a new thing. Like, <laughs> and it, it was terrible, especially in rural Queensland. There's, you know, in rural areas, men seem to have a lot harder time with, you know, this whole thing. And, and again, I don't want to act like I'm an expert on men's health. I'm really careful because I'm not. Right. But it's it's a definite it's a definitely thing that's been there since the dawn of time. Like I just hate that whole, it's a modern day sickness. It's, it's not. <laughs> no, no. I think the, the big thing is it's viewed as a modern day issue because of the availability and the instantaneousness of news being delivered. So, Absolutely. you know, thinking back to when your father was young, mm. even if someone did die by suicide, you're talking about phone calls that had to be made. It may show up in the newspaper three days later. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't, oh, let's jump on Facebook and post about this thing. Like, Absolutely. That didn't exactly. exist. And they couldn't express their feelings, these men, in the same way that say I can because right. there was there was no way to talk about it. So people who, again, saying, you know, oh, these young ones, we're all just like, you know, harping on about this stuff. It's just not accurate because you know, maybe we're actually in a really good time where we are able to talk about it more. Yeah. So there's two, there's two sides to the coin there. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Um, so as we kind of transition, now that we've made this super heavy, uh, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> as we try to transition to the end here, let's talk a little bit going back into the music for you. Um, yeah. You guys have, have just dropped into the storm. Um a few, about a month ago now, um, talk about, you know, this project and as you move forward, kind of your vision for what this is going to be. Yeah. So the Atomic Bow Project, we started literally our first gig was two days before COVID was announced. So a lot of bands broke up over that time and we could have so easily right because right. we couldn't gig again for two years or even a little bit more than that and somehow we kept it going so that's a good omen for me that <laughs> it's something to pursue and it's again yeah. it's just our art and i don't know we're not sure where it's gonna lead right now like we've got new songs on the go and i won't talk too much about them we've got a couple right. of festivals coming up few gigs which is very exciting 
Um, I'm actually singing um, with Emmy's band. So that's going to be very exciting. Red Hook um, next weekend. So there's a few things happening. This podcast maybe will come out in a different time frame, but that's okay. It'll be close. Uh, <laughs> It'll I'm be close. planning on this going live on May the 3rd in US. So May the hey. 4th for you guys. We might get there then, but yeah. um, yeah. So we've we've got a fair few things on the go, and we just maybe want to get to Europe, get to America, get to Canada, because that's where most of our fans are actually based. When we have a look at our Spotify stats, so yeah. I think we just got to get out of Australia. That's the next goal. Yeah. Which Emmy and I talked about. Jake and I've talked about. Michaela and I like. The problem with you guys, it's not the problem with you guys. It's our problem <laughs> with you guys. It's so fucking expensive to get to the US. It is so hard. We have made it nearly impossible for traveling musicians and a variety of, of fields. But like Jake was telling me for them and Emmy kind of um, lined it up as well for them to get the band to the US, not counting renting a van, any of the lodging, like just to do flights, equipment, and the, the whatever it is, the P2 visa or whatever the performance visa is, uh, yeah. is around 10,000 American dollars just know, to get which four is like, people over. And it's like, what the hell are we doing? I know. And that's like nearly 20,000 bucks for us. Like yeah. it's, it's insane and that has been the problem and especially after covid like that the prices of everything just went up fuel here yeah. is so expensive food's really expensive at the moment so yeah look it's it's gonna be a tough one but we're gonna try and make something happen but yeah you need to fix that josh what are you doing <laughs> hey if i could if i can get you make the yeah. scene to be like crazy profitable that would be one of my dreams is to sponsor yeah. bands coming over and stuff but um yeah. no like when jake and i talked about it you know mm -hmm. they're coming over or they're here now but they were coming awesome. over to do a tour with real friends and knuckle puck it's literally like a 45 day tour total and wow. it only has like whatever it was like 28 or 32 dates and yeah. you spent ten thousand plus dollars to get here like you're never gonna make that money back up no, you're never going to. And I think you just have to do it in the best way you can make it happen. And I don't know, I think it'd be like a two week thing if I'm honest for us, right. but you know, <laughs> but hey, and we just like to catch up with some of the cool humans like you that we've met and, you know, other people and just make it, make it cool. Cause again, we're not like the biggest band in the world, but you know, it's just nice to catch up with some fans and do a couple of small shows and that makes us happy, you know? It yeah. doesn't have to be a big thing. And I think we just want to travel and get the band out there a little bit more. Cause again, it's just been so hard with COVID and everything. Like it, it, it put us backward a little. So yeah. 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 It was, it's kind of a catch 22, right? Like it leveled the playing field cause nobody could be out performing. But at the same time, if you were just trying to get established, it really puts you behind the eight ball because well, I can't get out and tour, which is the only way people discover the music at this point, you know, like, what do I do? <laughs> what do I do? Yeah, totally. So I think it, on the flip side, it was a really creative time for us. Like we, sure. 
did have a lot of time to concentrate on the songs and again make weird stuff like our latest single but i think um yeah we're ready now and we're feeling that itch because we all i've grown up touring and um i just want to get out there and play live again and just meet people in real life not just all this online stuff like we've talked about yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely um so for what you can disclose or what you will disclose what mm -hmm. can fans expect you know leading into summer summer in the US, winter in the Australia, but uh, <laughs> what's this yes. look like moving forward for you guys the rest of the year? Um, yes, I got to be careful because the guys in the band will be like, Emma, um, but <laughs> definitely a new single, at least one. Oh, I'll say that, but we have got a government grant to do another clip, which is very exciting. And people at home who don't know what that means, it means so much to musicians because clips can run into like $10,000 like that. So easily. to have easily, right? So to have our cameras paid for our outfits, um, you know, props, lighting, everything has just made the world of difference. So we've got another clip coming out with that. And that's probably our really exciting stuff. So there'll be definitely a new single, definitely a new clip, and then hopefully more and right. we want to do a tour in Australia first because we've never actually properly just toured as a band we've only done supports mm -hmm. um, and festivals so getting our own tour together Sydney Melbourne Brisbane and then taking it overseas so we've actually got big goals yeah yeah yeah, yeah. for sure and I think you know the the insane thing around the Australian music scene is and you can briefly touch on this if you'd like i've seen such a shift even from the us looking in like such a shift in the level of support that the australian music scene has given since covid like it was okay strong before but since covid because it all got locked down and taken away it seems like fans are almost rabid to get out to live music and support any artist that they can Oh, absolutely. Like our festivals have been going off here. Like, I don't know what the go is, but I'm loving that. Um, gigs in New South Wales and Victoria, so Sydney, Melbourne, um, they've been really good. Queensland's been a little bit hairy. So it's just, it's, I think people are just getting out there. They're learning that they want and crave art. And that's cool. Like we just, again, people were locked up for so long. They're ready to get out mental health i think is on so many more people's minds because they never dealt with their mental health until they were locked yeah. in their houses yeah right so and i don't want to like you know gloss over that either but i think just getting out and people are discovering art for the first time who didn't think about it before i reckon mm -hmm. that's yep. a like a thing that's i've really noticed the last couple of gigs we've done i've seen new people there who are like oh yeah i'm, I'm just getting into music now and I'm like, whoa, okay. Right. They're like, yeah, lockdown. Like I just started listening to music. I never really, I just used to like listen to TikTok. And I'm like, that's yeah. cool. So yeah. there you go. There's some good that's come out of it all as well. Yeah. And as weird, I think it felt weirder to say that at least in the US, like last year, because we started lifting all of our restrictions and whatnot last year. So it was like, it was still too fresh of a wound. You know what I mean? That people oh, were yeah, like, yeah. oh, there, there's some good coming from it. And it's like, guys, we were just locked in our houses, like Settle chill down. for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do think now, you know, looking back, it's like, yeah, it, it sucked. And obviously it's this 
super traumatic and devastating thing mm. but it really did I don't mean to oversell it this much but it almost created this renaissance of like like you said people discovering art for the first time and discovering whether their their passions are because they had everything taken away at one point oh absolutely like I think a lot of good came out of a really shit situation and yeah I don't want to make it sound like it wasn't shit because it was like but yeah. but yeah people have discovered a lot I have like clients who are like oh yeah I don't like my husband and I'm like whoa hang on <laughs> <laughs> but hey like that's what happens over yeah. two years yeah. it's it's intense but I, I actually I don't think anyone exactly said that I just made that up but you know it was a time of self-discovery for so many so for I think sure. Yeah, seeing new fans and having new people at gigs, like it's awesome. Yeah. It's just the best. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've enjoyed this conversation, Emma. Um, I definitely think that we should, we'll figure it out, but we should plan to do one every couple of months or whatever and kind of Love do it. a continuation cycle or, you know, like pick a topic and we'll tackle that and then move on. You know what I mean? And, and do like a series. Uh, because I think for a lot of people, again, all the artists I've talked to have been great and I'm not trying to take anything away from them, but the ad addition of having the clinical background that you have, even though we're not doing this as medical advice does mm -hmm. provide that extra twist on everything and say, okay, you know, you're right, but here's why, or, you know what I mean? It gives that little bit of science, like you were saying to the back end of it. Oh, thank you. No, I really appreciate that. And we've also got Andy, our drummer. If you ever want a clinical yeah. psychologist, we've got, we got options in this band. Yeah, we can definitely figure I, I, something out. I don't know out. how that's all happened, but <laughs> maybe hey. it was everyone dealing with me. They're like, I need to go and get a degree in mental <laughs> health. I'm only joking. <laughs> but if no, that's what it takes, if that's what it takes. <laughs> hey, yeah. <no. laughs> but um, again, I can laugh about my mental health because it's mine, you know, and right. I think I have to laugh about it sometimes because otherwise I would just feel too bad. So yeah, but I've really enjoyed this. Yeah. Great. Thank yeah, you. It, it, Emmy and I said the same thing when we were talking about all of our stuff on her episode is that, you know, people that have been through traumatic experiences tend to have these really fucked up senses of humor, <laughs> but know. it's because we have to laugh at what we've been through because it's too stupid not to, you know, like Absolutely. you have to make it a joke to make it make sense. Oh, totally. And I think if we go past that point completely as well, we'll all just feel terrible all the time. So I think, you know, everything is a push and pull and there's like nuance in every topic around mental health. So finding that, finding the balance. And that's why I've loved your podcast. I think it's really balanced and that's really cool. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank so you. yeah, we'll, we'll figure out, like I said, we'll figure out, maybe we'll pull the audience a little bit, see what topics they want us to tackle, things like that. But um, Let us know, I'm, anything. Yeah. 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 And I'm, I'm super excited to see the new music and, and hopefully get you guys overseas, but um, just seeing this project, you know, from kind of its infancy, in a sense, develop yeah. and blossom is, is being really cool so far. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And thank you for having me on today. It's been, been awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I appreciate it. You go enjoy the rest of your day. I'm going to uh, probably get ready for bed now. Oh my gosh. What time is it there? It, Late, it's right? not that bad. No, it's 930. Oh. It's not that bad. Good, good. I love that. I love that you're like, I'm getting ready for bed at 930. Like same.
yeah. that's that's yeah. when you care for the mental health you're like in your bed doing your sleep routine i love it yeah, yeah for i sure. love it oh, awesome it thanks so much you. yeah you too awesome right. thanks josh thank you see ya And that was my conversation with Emma Bow of the Atomic Bow Project. Um, huge, huge shout out to her for taking the time to have that conversation with me, being open, honest, vulnerable, giving insight that, you know, she's able to provide um, as someone that's in the mental health sector and, you know, has an extreme focus within it. Um, again, just a reminder, everything that we talked about in this episode, um, is not medical advice. It is not necessarily mental health advice. It's our perspectives, our, um, our stories and, and things like that. So, you know, obviously if you are going to explore some of the things that we talked about, please do it safely, do it with the help of a licensed professional, if at all possible. Um, and yeah, let's, let's keep these conversations going. You know, I think the big thing like Emma and I talked about several times in this conversation is just being able to have these conversations and empower people and allow them to feel safe in telling their story when they're ready to tell their story is so immensely powerful. Um, and it's really the only way that any of this gets better for any of us at any time. So, um, again, huge shout out to, to Emma for that. Uh, obviously I'll link all of her band socials and everything in the description of this podcast as well. So be sure you go check out their music they are fucking dope. They have some incredible stuff. Um, and you guys should be paying attention to that as well. So uh, that's everything I've got for you on this episode. Um, thank you guys so much for everything you do for me. Be sure that you like, share, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, and follow us on Instagram at You Make the Scene. Uh, give us a like on Facebook at You Make the Scene. Um, and yeah, we'll be doing the video side of this at some point. So go to our YouTube, um, subscribe there as well if you want to watch this conversation. Um, and, you know, I think I, again, just want to reiterate, you know, these conversations matter so much. And I, I just thank anyone that takes the time to listen to the conversations that we're having with these artists about their stories and perspectives on things. So remember, guys, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene. <laughs>